Greetings in Jesus' name. This is Pastor Sean, and you are listening to The Intersection, not your normal fluffy Christian show. Obey, obey, obey. Isn't that what the Christian's supposed to do, especially when it comes to the government? After all, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 2 say, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Wow. Christian, obey, obey, obey. Is that what Romans chapter 13 means? We've been studying this. Is it a blanket statement of blind obedience to the government no matter what? Now, we should be good citizens. We should obey the law. We should obey the governing authorities. But is there a time that we're actually called to resist the authorities? Is there a time that we're actually called? And that's the problem, is many pastors and throughout the ages have used this out of context in a blanket way. Actually, in many, in many instances, um, to uh, continue and promote um, or to, to find uh, reasons or excuses to um, bend to immoral practices. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Sean? Well, there was a time when slavery was the law of the land. And yes, Southern pastors would use that scripture along with scriptures like slaves obey your masters. They would use those scriptures um, not only to, uh, to say that we should obey those laws, but to affirm the practices. Let's remember, not everything that's legal is moral. Yes, did you know the Holocaust was legal? In Germany, in fact, the Holocaust was legal. And uh, if you were to uh, aid and abet a Jewish person in escaping, you were found to be a criminal. It was against the law. Back in the early days of America, when there was slavery, if you were to aid and abet the escape of a slave, you were punished with the same punishment that the slave would receive. Well, because things are legal and because the government says that they're good does not necessarily make it so. And there are times when the Christian should actually resist and civilly disobey the government. You can say, well, how do you know that's true? Well, well there's plenty of places in the Scripture where that was the case. How about in modern times? Should we obey the speed limit? Of course. Should we obey good practices? Yes. Should we pay our taxes? Well, that's a tough one, but yes, we should, according to the Scripture. But how about when it comes to the government telling us how and when and where we can worship? You probably remember a story in the Old Testament um, about three young Hebrew children living in Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in fact, they were they had real favor with the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. They had real, real respect from the king. They had moved up in the province, and in fact, it says that, that there were none like them in their wisdom and in their knowledge. And they were obedient servants to a point. And then one day, the king decided to erect a giant golden statue in which he said that anyone who did not worship or fall down before the statue would be thrown into the fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, being very, very good, um, uh, very good servants to the king, said, um, "We're not, we're not uh, 
quick to answer you in this, King. We will do anything you ask, but this thing you ask we cannot do. And they resisted the king, which, of course, made the king very angry, and he had them because they did it publicly. They threw them into the fiery furnace in which they were delivered by the angel of the Lord. And uh, the king, after that, was uh, blown away uh, by their resistance and by the miraculous delivering power of God, and he actually turned around and decreed that everyone must worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So you see there that that uh, resisting the authority not only worked for their benefit, but it also worked for the benefit of others. There are times when, to hold a, a moral witness, we need to be disobedient. Um, I don't know, there was a time, uh, you know, abortion's legal, yeah, abortion's legal. Yes, it is. It is the law of the land. Never voted in by a legislature. Simply, uh, simply uh, decided by a Supreme Court decision. But it's the law of the land. And there was a time in the '80s when my parents belonged to something called Operation Rescue. Yeah, they got a lot of criticism. They were called violent and all these. They weren't. They would peacefully protest. And they would sit in front of the abortion clinic doors and the police would come and carry them out and they would be charged with trespassing and things like that. Um, But they were peaceful people, contrary to what the media said. But they did civil disobedience because they believed that the life of the unborn was much more important than the law or the the legality of abortion. There are times when Christians should disobey. Do you know during the civil rights movement— Dr. King civilly disobeyed because he understood that the rights uh, of black people in this country um, were of a higher uh, magnitude in the law of God and the law of the kingdom of God than they were in Jim Crow laws. So he performed what we call civil disobedience in a right way, which brought about some serious change. So what about those who think the what about those Christians who believe that we should never ever ever obey the governing authority? Well, we're not rebels. We're Americans, we're good citizens. We're we're supporters of law and order. We support the police, we support legislatures, especially in a country like this where we have a a republic where we can vote and we can let our names be heard. We support um, law and order. Um, and that's what we need to continue to do. Christians need to not be um, a pain. We need to not be um, a thorn in the sides of governing authorities. We need to be an ally as long and as far as we can. Then there are other Christians who believe we should always obey the governing authority quietly and submissively regardless of law or mandate. Well, these are two contradictions, and neither one of them um, is true. Neither one of them is true. We are to live in harmony with the laws and the governings of the land, but understand that we are, we are first of all, um, citizens of the kingdom of God, and that law, um, as long as it works in harmony with the laws of the land, or our country, America— then we are able to obey. Um, yet in other times and places, there are times that we are called to actually disobey. If you were a Christian in Germany during World War II, uh, 
And the law was that you need to turn in your Jewish neighbors. And if they came looking for them and they were hiding in your basement, the legal thing, the lawful thing, those who would who would uh, those who would interpret Romans 13 as a blanket statement with no exceptions, um, would say, well, they needed to legally turn in their Jewish neighbors to be put to death, which is absolutely absurd because then the law of God, the law of life, the law of liberty, the law of humanity would kick in, meaning that the higher law is to be obeyed. Absolutely. So when is it appropriate to ob- to disobey the governing authorities? When is it? Now, by the way, we're Americans. There's a lot of things we can stand up for. We can we can we can uh, we can make our voices be heard. We can vote. We can we can get involved in taxes and wanting them lowered. And we can we can uh, vote for people who would um, uh, who would support those things. There are a lot of issues in in the that that don't necessarily breach the scripture, but it's not a sin to be a part of and to uh, to put them let our voices be heard and uh, to resist things that we don't necessarily like as Americans. For instance, the Second Amendment. We don't we're we're not, we're not going to be disarmed. We're not going to put up with being disarmed, and we need to stand up for the Second Amendment. Absolutely. But then there's absolute moral things, things that violate the actual laws of God. And those are the issues in which we are actually called to resist. We are obligated to resist. Well, let's talk about it. Well, number one, when they breach our sanctuary, when they come into a place where they tell us how and when we can worship or meet, when they tell us how it is that we can worship. We know that in this country we have freedom of religion, and even if we didn't, we would practice it anyway um, because we know that the uh, the laws of God and the worship of God is our highest honor. It is our highest um, loyalty. So when the Scripture says that we are to gather together and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. When the Scripture says we are to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, that means physical contact. When the Scripture says that we are to gather in his name for prayer and for worship, there is no legal authority on grounds, even on the grounds of a pandemic, which most of us for a moment— we're willing to make some exceptions in order that uh, there could be safety and things like that, but we're so far beyond that now. And uh, unfortunately, there has been a concerted effort to uh, for the state to pr- promote itself and its authority even over church attendance and church practices. Well, we were on with Brother Arthur last week on, on uh, Ed's show, Our American Heritage, where uh, Brother Arthur is being persecuted in Canada because he's had enough. He's no longer going to keep his church shut down. He's no longer going to uh, have out a. He's going to have in-person services, and because of that, the Canadian government has not only um, came and violated their worship practices, but they have issued an arrest warrant for Brother Arthur because they are making him submit. They are. They are. There is a, a war of wills in which they are going to make him or tried to make him submit, and he, um, wisely, is standing up and saying, no, um, if people are sick, we're going to lay hands on them, like the Scripture says, and pray for them. If uh, the Scripture calls us to gather together that we might worship, 
and we might gather together as the body of Christ, we're going to do that. So, um, one area in which we are called to resist is when the government decides that they are going to tell us we cannot meet together, we cannot meet at a specific location, and we cannot meet in person. So, Pastor Sean, you're saying that if Ignite Church, if the pandemic comes back or it's uh, the numbers are up and they go to restrict our ability to worship, you're not going to shut down Ignite Church or make uh, or do online services. The answer is no, we are not. We did that once for a moment. We took a step back and we took a breath. But after we began to see um, that there were safe ways to do church, that there were wise ways to do church, there were in-person ways to do church, we were going to do that. We were going to meet, as Jesus said to meet, we were going to lay hands on the sick and pray for them. We are going to do all of those things. Therefore, the government will have nothing to say about when we meet, how often we meet, what we wear when we meet, what we eat when we meet, what we do when how we meet, what we say when we meet, how we sing when we meet, how we pray when we meet, or anything to do with our meetings. It's simply a matter of jurisdiction. The government does not have jurisdiction on those issues. The early church was told also as well not to meet. In fact, do you remember when Peter was called in before the Sanhedrin and they said, we command you to no longer speak the name of Jesus. In fact, they said, you can have your little meetings and gatherings, but you are no longer to spread this doctrine that you're teaching. And Peter said, let it be, he said, let it, let it be known to you should we obey God or should we obey man? And he said, as much as we respect you, Sanhedrin, and as much as we respect your authority, when it comes down to obeying God or man, God gets the first dibs. So we will be meeting together in person, as Jesus said, and no government has the authority to tell us we can't. Um, in fact, you know, this pandemic has been a great dry run for the tyranny the tyrannist. You know, we, we, we've used this thing to pretty much unseat uh, business, uh, worship, uh, education, to just fundamentally change those things and use them as an experiment of government power and overreach. And that's exactly what happened. But I'm speaking specifically to the Christian. In what areas are we actually called to resist? And that's when our worship is to be or our meetings are to be restricted. Number two, when they restrict our worship. We do not give in to governing authorities when it relates to how we worship. There's tremendous danger in giving an inch to this regard. There has never been a governor, king, president, congress, or tyrants who had the authority to shut down churches. Do you remember when Bill de Blasio in New York said... He made this ludicrous statement that if the that if the the synagogues, the Jewish synagogues, would not adhere to his COVID policies, he would have them shut down for good. Well, first of all, he doesn't give them the authority to be open in the first place, and he doesn't have the authority to shut them down, and especially for good, especially for good. So 
the reality is, is that when it comes to restricting our worship, the government has no grounds to do so. Now, we're careful not to give the wrong perception to the Christian community about governmental authorities or our attitude towards the governing authorities. We're careful not to sow seeds of rebellion, but we're also careful to make sure that we obey God before anything else and to worship in a manner that he set forth for his church. There are state-sanctioned and state-controlled churches throughout the world. By the way, this is what separation of church and state was about. It was not to keep the influence of the church out of the state. That is not what that is not what was meant by the separation of church and state. The separation of church and state was meant to keep the state out of the church because state-run churches wind up being a political arm for the church and you can see that in politicized it began to becoming a political advocating arm for the state rather than the church being an influence on the policies of the state. The church has every ability and power and freedom to have influence over the policies of the state. We vote, we speak, we can declare from our pulpits what is right and what is wrong. There are state-sanctioned, state-controlled churches throughout the world, and they've sacrificed biblical autonomy and authority for temporal safety. But we do not see them as true churches. They have apostatized. They have sold out their faith of Jesus Christ. Their doctrine is corrupt, their mission is compromised, and their ministers are lost. There's a reason why there's an underground church in China. Did you know there's a state-sanctioned church in China? But there's a reason why there's an underground church in China, because the state-sanctioned church obeys the state when it comes to teaching biblical doctrine. If the state doesn't like some of the doctrines of the Bible, they simply... um, substitute them with state beliefs. In Canada, it is already, many pastors have felt the heat of the crime of teaching things like mm, homosexuality is a sin, teaching against transgenderism. They, they've been deemed with hate speech and can suffer jail time or, or sufficient penalties if they do not follow state-sanctioned language laws. We're like Daniel. We're living in a society that once recognized our God-given worship as we please and where we please. And when laws are passed that slightly restrict our, our worship, we got to respond as Daniel did. Ignore the mandate and continue worshiping. That's what Daniel did. Daniel 6.10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home in his upper room and his windows were open towards Jerusalem. He knelt on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God, as was his custom since early days. Daniel didn't change. His culture had changed. But Daniel decided he was going to remain faithful to God. That act of rebellion earned Daniel a night with the lions. You see, Christians, we may have to suffer persecution for our faith. Isn't that what the Scripture says? All who are godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. People say, well, you know what, Pastor Sean, this this was just some COVID stuff. It was temporary, and and we should have complied, and we, we need to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Really? You really think that's all this was about? What happened to two weeks to break in the curb? 
What happened to two weeks to break in the curbs now turned into a year and a half to break the curb. And the mask mandates and all the things that that go on that it was demanded that the church obey. Thank God for people like John MacArthur in California who said, enough's enough. We're going to meet in person. People say, well, you know, but the church hasn't been specifically targeted. It's been, it's been everybody. They're asking everyone to make the sacrifices for safety and health. Really? Well, casinos, which had a in Nevada had a terrible time maintaining social distancing, were open with fifty percent occupancy allowance, while churches were limited to gatherings of fifty and less. This question came before the United States Supreme Court. This is a simple case. Under the governor's edict, a 10-screen multiplex may host 500 moviegoers at any time. A casino, too, may cater to hundreds at once, with perhaps six people huddled at each craps table here and a similar number gathered around every roulette wheel. Large numbers and close quarters are fine in such places, but churches, synagogues, and mosques are banned from admitting more than 50 worshipers. No matter how large the building is, how distant the individuals, how many wear face masks, no matter how many precautions at all, in Nevada it seems it's better to be in entertainment than religion, wrote a Supreme Court justice. Yes, but it's only a temporary measure. It's only a temporary measure. How about when they regulate our mission? Hasn't happened yet in the United States, but heading this way. How about when they tell us we can no longer proselytize, we can no longer preach? Did you see the uh, the pastor who was arrested in the streets of England because he was street preaching and the words that he was saying were offensive and harmful because he talked about such things as sin, hell, salvation, Jesus being the only way. Anything that gets in front of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, is not to be obeyed. Told you again, Acts chapter 5, verses 27 through 29. Peter and the apostles told the high priest, we're going to obey God rather than obey men when the high priest told them they can no longer preach. How about when they ignore our citizenship and their law? How about when they no longer recognize our God-given rights. Remember in Acts 22 when they bound Paul. And Paul said to him, Is it lawful to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Paul used his citizenship to show that they were violating his rights. Well, guess what? Christians in America are citizens of America. We don't become second-class citizens. We don't get less rights, even though many people think that's the way it should be. So there is a time, brothers and sisters, when we are called to disobey the civil authorities. We're called to stand. Whenever the laws of this land violate the laws of God, the kingdom is first. Until next time, this is Pastor Sean. May God richly bless you. We're the bad news. We're the young guns. We're the ones that they told you to run from. Yeah, the player's gonna play and the hater's gonna hate.